Hi guys, it's me Dot. I am the Oil Oracle and I'm here to remind you that your life is a ceremony. And today I'm so happy to be resurrecting the podcast. <laughs> so maybe you have seen that there is now what is going to be, um, should we say just archived, season one of the podcast. Uh, I actually started sharing some content over here on as a podcast um, a while ago and I had big ideas for it, big ambitions and just really struggled to make the space and prioritize it. But today is the 1st of February 2024. It is the Festival of Imbolc or Candlemas, other people might know it as. And it is the first day of our Dreamweavers 90 day run and I am making a commitment to bring the podcast back. Now this is for a few reasons. To be honest, it mainly comes from the point of view that I absolutely love listening to podcasts and I'm really hoping that I will be able to find more of my people. Like I figure if this is a platform where I like to hang out, it kind of makes sense that I would also find people who are aligned, who I can connect with and build community with, because that is really important to me. So that's one way. And also just because I feel like, I, you know, I live in Totnes. So I live in Totnes and South Devon. It's this magical town. The the legend has it we're twinned with Narnia. Um, and it is just this kind of amazing spot. We're nestled sort of halfway between Dartmoor and the ocean. And I'm, I've been told that two really powerful ley lines run through the town. Although I don't know, I haven't been able to find a map that details that myself. And it's just this really incredible place and it does feel like a world away from everything else. And I know when we lived in London, so we actually moved to Devon from London in 2016, this was everything that we were coming for. And we didn't initially move to Totnes, so initially we moved further out um, into the countryside. We did something that I later discovered is like a classic thing that happens, which is we had a tiny two bed flat in Deptford in southeast London and we sold it and bought a four bedroom barn conversion with like an acre and a half of land and we were just so fucking clueless about what we were doing that um, we were utterly overwhelmed it was completely unmanageable it was fucking miles from everywhere we wanted to go and every day you know having to put the kids in the car and drive up the motorway it just didn't work for us it was not the right place for us to land and so a couple of years later in 2018 we moved into Totnes um, because that was where our life was growing and that was where we wanted to be and really Totnes for me has ticked all the boxes in terms of what we were looking to create for our family. We wanted to come to Devon to be more in nature, to have more space, more time to be with the kids, to be able to slow right down during their early childhood especially. And I feel like we were really able to do that here. And also I'm really aware that Totnes is an absolute bubble. Like you can live here and completely lose connection to the modern world if you want to um so in a way this podcast is like me to be a lighthouse being like hey you can be you can find this stuff it does exist in our crazy modern world so if you're finding this and you're living in in London or in another big city somewhere else and you're like you you know the point that we were at was like I was working in fashion we just had our first baby 
and we went on this incredible journey. And actually, this brings me to a really nice point because the point of my podcast today is that I wanted to just reintroduce the pod and also just talk about Imbolc, this festival on, on the wheel of the year. And actually, my journey with the Wheel of the Year is really a gift from my children. But, my, you know, my daughter, who is my eldest, is really the person who gifted me my relationship to the Wheel of the Year. And that's because when she was about 12 weeks old, a really special, wonderful friend of mine invited me to bring my daughter along to a Steiner parent and baby group. And so it's a gorgeous friend of mine called Liz. Um, If you're listening, hi Liz, I love you. Um, And it's an amazing story, me and Liz. So we, I, when I lived, before I lived in Deptford, I lived in Bermondsey and Liz had a shop on Bermondsey Street, which sold all like handcrafted, beautiful things. Many of which are randomly sourced from Totnes because she has family connections down here. And, um, And I used to go to her yoga classes that she did in the shop in the evening. And the week I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, we were, we moved house. So we moved from Bermondsey to Deptford, which is probably like a mile and a half. But in terms of London, it just meant I was never going back to that yoga class. It just wasn't happening. And incidentally, when I fell pregnant, initially, I had the most horrendous morning sickness. I didn't want to do any yoga. You know, all of that stuff fell by the wayside. So... I completely, despite having loved Liz and loved her classes for a couple of years, I completely lost contact with her at that point. That was in December 2013. Roll around to May 2014, and Martin and I decide to go to a lecture at the London School for Natural Medicine about... Uh, from a GP talking about, you know, what do you do if you don't want to vaccinate your child? You know, how do you take responsibility? Um, and what is the responsibility if you choose not to go down that route? So we were going to this lecture, you know, wide-eyed, completely, you know, new to the whole world of parenting, still not, you know, with a babe in the world, still pregnant at this point. And I walked in and there was Liz and she was just as pregnant as I was, <laughs> which was just crazy. Anyway, turned out that the week I found out I was pregnant, she'd also found out she was pregnant and we were due and our babes were born like 12 days apart or something like that. It's super, super close. My daughter is the 13th of August. Her son is the 29th of August. So whatever that is, 16 days. Anyway, so it was Liz who invited me to go to this Steiner parent and child group and I didn't know what to expect. I knew a little bit about Steiner because some family friends of ours actually co-founded the first, I want to say that that's right, that they co-founded the first Steiner school in New Zealand or they were very much involved anyway. Um, And so I kind of knew a bit about it. I'd gone to an all-girls convent private school growing up. Martin had gone to like the local kind of community college and that sort of thing. But like local, like village primary school, community secondary school. And I remember when I found out I was pregnant, like looking online at, at what the school fees were for a school like I'd gone to and being like, oh my God, well, that's not happening. Um, and then when Liz suggested we go to Steiner for the parent and child, I was like, oh, this is nice. And I knew it was a way of educating and I could see that it was a private school, but not as expensive as, you know, the kind of places that I'd gone when I was growing up. But I still remember thinking like, oh, this is just not, you know, a long term 
vision for what we would have for our child because to me it felt completely disconnected from the real world in inverted commas yeah I mean whatever so um and I remember going on this journey with her and just loving the parent and baby group and then we carried on and we did parent and child and we were in that little Steiner community in in southeast London for two years and in that time my connection to the wheel of the year was bubbling but I didn't know that that was what it was and it was just that I was like craving more horizon for us and our growing family like I didn't want to feel that hemmed in feeling of being in the city anymore I needed more space for us to expand into you know kind of figuratively and um and like practically you know like our flat was tiny and that kind of thing as well but also just like you know on the kind of energetic side I just felt like we couldn't expand in London so we did that for two years and in that time made the decision to leave London and moved to Devon and we chose where we chose because we actually in the two years of doing the parent and child and parent and baby groups we'd realized that we actually did want a Steiner education for our children and part of Steiner especially in the early years is that they are very much anchored in rhythms and the seasons and they celebrate festivals throughout the year and these festivals that they celebrate actually come from you know the kind of more classic perspective of the christian calendar and as i've journeyed with it more deeply i've discovered i discovered over the years that actually that christian rhythm was also deep rooted even more deeply in um pagan and celtic traditions which are really really truly native to our land here in in england and i feel very much that i am of these lands so in Steiner, this festival today is known as Candlemas. And in the Wheel of the Year, this is the festival of Imbolc. And when we talk about it in the tradition of Imbolc, it's the first cross-quarter festival of the year. So there are four quarterly festivals that are much more well-known. So the equinoxes and the solstice in the summer and the winter those are really kind of generally well recognized I feel but the cross-quarter festivals which are actually more my favorite are less well observed I think in modern life and that's where we really miss a trick so actually with the with the full eight festivals through the whole wheel of the year there's actually like a marker every six weeks as we journey through and for me, the cross-quarter festivals are actually like the tipping point where the shift in the season becomes visible. So even though people think of, you know, Easter and, and late March as being, you know, mid to late March being more the, like, the, like the start of spring, for me, in bulk is where the light changes and you feel like we are emerging from winter. And it's that tipping point with where from, yeah, like I noticed so much the changing of the light at this point, um, you know, for in bulk and then at Beltane and, you know, on the on the on the ones in between the equinoxes and the solstices. So in bulk is that moment where the snowdrops are coming through, the crocuses are coming through. You might notice new buds of life on trees and plants in your garden. It's actually the festival 
um, that celebrates the reawakening Earth. Um, and it's all about the potential of manifestation, which is inherent in everything. And we can really see it at this point. You know, we've been through the deep wintering, you know, especially if you've been able to kind of honor that deep midwinter, that still point, this is the moment where you can feel that dragon energy of the earth rising. And in Celtic tradition, this is the time where they would sort of consider, so they celebrate the triple goddess. And at this point, the triple goddess has become her virgin self again so known as bride or bridget or bridget she's the maiden so she is the keeper of the sacred fire and she carries uh attributes like um intuition inspiration divination and the spark of life so she she you know she's represented in the holy wells and the sacred springs, you know, of which there are a few in Totnes. I'm going to share about that at some point as well. Um, and, you know, she's just this, this, you know, she's everything that we sort of would imagine sort of embodied in like the maiden sort of energy. Um, and it's really interesting for me when you kind of look at how some of these festivals have been co-opted and slightly and like the kind of the message behind some of the um what's the word like you know some of the kind of heroines in the stories it gets changed and shifted so um you know in when you kind of look at something around you know bridget and and bridget and how she fits into the sort of how it's been co-opted over into the kind of Candlemas side of things and the Christian celebration. So really the maiden represents the Virgin and the early image of the Virgin was really different from what we now understand it to be. So she was actually seen as being very powerful. So not like, not like so much of an innocence, but like a power and a, like just this woman who is so full of her ability to be fertile. So she was actually honoured and revered for like this vibrant sexuality. And in pre-Christian Rome, the virgins were just unmarried women um, and they kind of combined this super sexuality with the potential of motherhood um, and they just represented a massive threat to the new patriarchal church. Um, and so, you know, her sexuality just kind of became feared by the church and by men for its potential to hold power over them. So there the kind of came about this complete reversal of values. So rather than virgin being like this kind of sexy, all-powerful, fertile goddess, it became kind of um, synonymous with like this kind of purity and this childlike innocence um, and sort of even kind of projected onto the Virgin Mary and just like how they just, you know, even with that, you know, she's like the mother of God and her virginity is like the thing that is most um, emphasised. Um, and, you know, it doesn't even actually make any sense. So, you know, it's 
it, all of these kind of it's very interesting when you when you kind of get more deeply into the sort of the energies and the uh, goddesses and the um, deities that actually underpin some of these uh, celebrations and I could talk about it for a long time but I don't you know also like if you follow Christian tradition and you're you know calling it Candlemas I just I'm happy for you and I'm just really glad that people are hanging on to their beliefs and know what they believe in so just know that whatever I say if I'm ever comparing or talking it's none of it is actually judgment um I do quite often say to Martin I'm actually not judgmental I'm just really opinionated and I find that to be true because I have my opinion and I really am happy for everybody else to have theirs as well because I want to have mine um and um so yeah so never take it as a judgment like i'm actually like totally groovy with whatever religion you practice as long as you know what and why you're doing it um so let's talk a bit about the underlying energy of in bulk maybe that's a bit lighter so it's basically just this moment we can actually i think if you live in the northern hemisphere right now you can literally see all around you that the days are beginning to lengthen um sap is beginning to rise there are bulbs coming up and the earth is stirring so hopefully we've cultivated like a deep acceptance of winter and now that is just falling away and we're coming with this like urge within us to spring into a new energy and so now it's at this threshold and the thing is it's like also I'm going to talk about this on the new this new kind of iteration of the podcast like I'm also fascinated by rites of passage and honoring and observing the seasons and the seasonal festivals in whatever capacity you want to honor them is just a beautiful process of rites of passage that you can go through again and again and again every year and it helps us to just embody that reality that truth that with every ending is a new beginning even in the greatest endings there is a magnificent new beginning even if we don't know what it is even if we can't know what it is with like you know the final transition of death we don't know what comes after it but what I do know is that every rite of passage where it ends something new begins and that is just so grounding for me so I love that about noticing and following the wheel of the year in these festivals because each um, threshold is a rite of passage so now is this time to as we meet this threshold as we cross this threshold it's a beautiful time to prepare inwardly for the changes that will come so we're planting our ideas and we're nurturing the seeds that have been planted through the winter and it's time to start bringing our visions and inner understandings out into the world so the festival that we're opposite also in these wheel of the year i love to look back across the wheel um you know so six months ago where were we we were at lammas the first harvest and that's when you know we sort of start to go into the darkness and and the the we're six weeks on from the midsummer solstice and we really start to notice that the light is is changing um and it is the first harvest of the year so lammas is the harvest of the grain um and then you have Maybon, which is the harvest of the fruits, and then you have Sawain, which is the harvest of the nuts. So there are these three great, three sort of primary harvests that come in the later part of the year. So here we are at Imbolc, and we could look back and think of what we harvested in the late summer last year, and we could look ahead 
as well and think, what do I want to cultivate in this growth cycle that I'm stepping into today? What do I want to harvest as we move into the uh, the autumn of the year? And, you know, I love kind of looking at it in that way where each, um, each festival is an opportunity to look back and to look ahead and just reflect on how, what we're growing in our lives. Like, what are we cultivating? What do we want to cultivate? And there are many opportunities to do this. You know, obviously we've just had New Year, like the um, Gregorian New Year, which lots of people in our kind of modern culture use that as their opportunity to cast an eye back, look back across the year and look ahead across the year. But you don't have to wait until January. So first of all, every six weeks you have a festival uh, from, from the Wheel of the Year. Also, every 28 days, there is either, you know, a new moon or a full moon. Then you've also got the 12 um, astrological zodiac transits that happen throughout the year that bring their own different energies. Like there's all this energy that's just abundant <laughs> for us to work with. Um, and, you know, the festivals, the, the wheel of the year, the festivals are the ones that are most rooted yeah literally rooted in the earth you know for me they're the most anchored in our physical reality as within so without um you know when we're observing the changes in nature we observe the change in ourselves. and i think that you know i love working with them in that way so i also think it's worth mentioning that at these thresholds at these pivotal moments throughout the year, there can also be as much as there can be hope and excitement and, you know, the sense of new beginnings. There's also the ending. There's the closing of the previous season. And especially I find at the cross quarter festivals, I feel some opposition sometimes because it's like the light changes and when the light changes, the shadows fall differently and things are revealed to us in a new way or we can perceive things a bit differently from how we were previously perceiving them. It's that kind of subtle shift where you're like, ah, oh, something's moving here. And actually it's, that's why actually when around now, like the spring cleaning energy could come on really strong because you know, the light literally shines differently through your window and you realize, my God, my windows are filthy. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's very, it, it can be very, very literal and it can be very abstract as well. Like, because like the inner light falls differently and you're like, wow, some shit that's been sitting in my shadow is in full view and I need to deal with it. Or, the shadows move and you're like, hang on a minute, there was nothing in there. It was just a shadow, you know, and you could have think that there was some, you know, sometimes we perceive something and then the light moves and actually, you know, it's like the monsters under the bed, you know, suddenly you realize it's just a toy. Um, and that can be, you know, that can be, it can be, bring, you know, relief and it can also bring, you know, grief and all sorts of different feelings actually. 
Um, so it's just a if you if you're aware of it once you know that it's there if you're feeling that opposition and that oh you know that slightly I'm like wriggling my shoulders that like discomfort of oh something's not right like I don't feel something's oh, I feel ick I feel like I need to clean I feel like I need to cleanse I feel like I need to declutter it's actually just a really good sign that you're tuning into the rhythm you know, you're tuning into that wheel of the year, you're tuning into the earth energy that are earth energies that are available to you. Um, and I think I said dragon energy at the beginning, but I think it's actually more snake energy at this time, the serpent rising. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a it's a beautiful time also to be casting a vision. So um, a lot of people love to cast a vision in January. For me, January is much more time for dreaming and for decompressing and composting uh, what has gone. I do like to try and choose a word of the year if it comes forward for me in January. I actually, I chose one in January and I'm actually now I'm like, oh, it's a different word. <laughs> so I got to change it. Uh, so I, I was in January, I was like, abundance. Um, but I actually don't think that's it. Um, and I will do a different podcast about my word for the year um but you know creating a vision board is really beautiful but actually it's like great to do that at this time in particular so for me an essential oil that i love to work with if you don't already know this if you're new to the podcast hi hello i work with doTERRA essential oils so i do love to work with the oils to attune to the seasons as well and i love 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 to work with um clary sage uh, at this time of year so I am actually I'm just literally grabbing my book because I want to read something to you from um, this amazing reference book that I have it's actually like the book that I use the most with my oils it's called gifts of the essential oils and it's a beautiful um, it's like it, this huge kind of hardback beautiful book that talks about the sort of mythology and the um kind of indigenous wisdom around all the different uh, plants that we make into essential oils and it gives a spiritual perspective on the oils and the more you get to listen to me the more you'll know that i as much as i love the benefits physically that essential oils give to me I'm way more interested in the metaphysical because it's just so fucking cool. So um, Clary Sage is the oil of perspective and she brings gifts of intuition, birthing and euphoria. And um, I'm just going to read it straight from the book because I, I, there's no point in trying to paraphrase it. So uh, it's a book written by Vanessa Jean and Adam Barillet. They co-authored it together. Vanessa Jean, um, I have met and it, she's an absolute goddess among women. So um, and I've yet to meet Adam Barillet, but hopefully one day I will. So um, they write, Clary Sage allows you to put things in perspective. She helps you take a step back and truly observe what is happening around you. By pausing to contemplate and be more discerning, you will be able to dispel any illusions and really see the truth. Clary Sage reminds you that many of your perceived problems ex exist not in reality, but in your mind. Um, which that said so that for me, that part really speaks to what I was saying about <clears throat> this, how the light can move and reveal things to you in a new way. Clary Sage is really beautiful with that. And then um, they also write that Clary Sage allows you to connect 
with the sacred feminine within you. So women can work with this oil to initiate themselves into the role as a priestess that they've been called to. Um, and this oil is a beautiful connection point for men and women who want to create a euphoric union, um, a euphoric sacred union within a relationship. So she, she's this beautiful oil and the affirmation that they offer to work with the Clarice Ages, I invite euphoria into my creations. And really, as we sit here at this threshold on the wheel of the year, the festival that celebrates Earth's awakening and the inherent possibility for manifestation that exists in all things, I feel like Clarice Age is just such a beautiful partner to work with um, at this time. So if you, um, by the way, by the way, if you're listening to this and you don't have doTERRA essential oils, you must, must, must come and follow me on Instagram at I am the oil oracle and you can learn all about the oils a lot more and how to use them and how to buy them with my support. Um, the amazing thing about doTERRA is that it's a network marketing company so you can literally choose who you sign up with so that you get a support package and a support network and a community around you that is perfect for you and I love that about the network marketing model so if you don't have oils and this is all really speaking to you then I might be your woman so have a think come and find me and let me know anyway I am probably going to wrap this one up for now um, if you want to think about some little ways that you could celebrate in bulk um, there are some lovely traditions uh, for each of the festivals I actually did create you know what I've got to resurrect that I spent months <laughs> literally months creating an ebook with all these suggestions on how people could celebrate the wheel of the year with um, essential oils and I don't know what I've done with it but it used to be a thing that you got for free when you signed up to my mailing list but that is currently not active so okay so this is good for me because it reminds me that I have a really beautiful PDF that I can send to people and I just need to resurrect it so I will do that but in the meantime if you want to celebrate um, in bulk you might like to light your home with candles to celebrate that divine spark, you know, that Earth's awakening. In kindergarten in Steiner, the children dip beeswax candles and then they do a little ceremony where they go out into the garden and they plant them in the earth and then they light them. And the idea is that the candles will warm up the earth to wake up the bulb babies. Oh my God. I'm like having a pang of total nostalgia for the fact that neither of my kids are in kindergarten anymore. Oh my God. Those festivals are just so fucking beautiful. Yeah. So in the Candlemas Festival in Steiner Kindergartens, they literally plant candles in the ground to wake the bulb babies up. Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, if you're a grown-up, you could do that anyway as well. Or you could just light candles in your home. You could create a lovely... Um, altar for in bulk and use like white and yellow and green those sort of springy colors and you could bring some bulbs or early spring flowers onto your table and light a little candle and you know make make a little altar like that um you can you know do some decluttering out with the old in with the new um and you can make little lanterns um as well 
So you could also visit, you could also do some research and find out if there is a well or a sacred spring near where you live. Um, if you live in Totnes, there is one at the, the Leech Wells, near Leech Well Garden, are actually a sacred spring. And there is also one at the top of Siston Street, at the very, very top of the high street. Uh, you kind of go all the way to the tippity top and then up to the main road and cross over and there's a trough with a spring there. And apparently that's actually the cleanest, best water in the town. Um, we do drink the well water here quite often. It's actually nicer than the tap water. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, so, my loves, thank you for being back here with me in this first episode of the new season, season two. I feel a lot is being birthed and rebirthed right now. So I'm grateful to be able to share this journey with you guys. Anyway, I'm Dot. I am the Oil Oracle. Your life is a ceremony. So please go start living that way.